Welcome in listeners to a fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings. We have a fun-filled episode for you. Joining us today, we have Nick McDowell Musla and George Tover, who are currently uh, in Our Man in Santiago. Uh, They're playing Daniel Baker and Jack Wilson, respectively. And the show is playing at the AMT Theater here in New York City. And it's playing through uh, October 28th, so not much longer. Be sure to get your tickets. And I'm not kidding about that. This show is fantastic. I mean, let me just put it this way. It is a spy thriller comedy. How often have you heard that? So right out the gate, it's already fantastic. Nick. George, yeah. welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks uh, for having us. Yeah, yeah we're excited so about much. this. Appreciate Thank you it. so much. A spy thriller comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many shows? <laughs> I've never heard of that before. Usually you just get like the, you know, just like a comedy or a spy comedy. Spy thriller comedy. Brilliantly. Our Man in Santiago. Uh, I was already intrigued by it because I was like, what, what could this be? Like, this has an element. I mean, it, it had this element. Uh, I didn't picture it being like in the seventies, but it just had this like element. I don't know why of uh, the lucky stiff or a weekend at Bernie's kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. for some yeah. reason, totally. this, this did not go the way I thought it was going to go. And I was so delighted. Um, mm-hmm. So why don't you guys tell us a bit about the show? Okay, uh, with George pointing to me, so uh, <laughs> I'll try to be, yeah, uh, I'll try to be pretty quick. It's basically, a ba- it takes place in 1973 um, when Nixon is in the White House and um, their whole like plan for regime change in Chile, Santiago, um, directed at Salvador Allende, the elected president, uh, who was, uh, I believe it, Democratic Socialist, but I'm not sure. I don't know. Or that might be something I stole from Bernie Sanders. But the he's basically um, he's basically somebody that the Nixon White House really didn't want there. And, and the significance was that he was a socialist who was elected, and that kind of um, uh, looked bad for the Nixon administration. So it takes place uh, it, in the hotel across from where the presidential palace is in Chile and Santiago, and um, we are CIA agents. And uh, our mission is to get him removed from power. I think that sums it up. Yeah, yeah. Working with the, with the uh, Pinochet army and the army mm-hmm. and all that stuff, who over, basically there was a, a revolt, uh, an attack, uh, a coup, I guess, a coup yeah. at the palace. And so mm-hmm. we're there supposedly overseeing it, uh, manipulating it and all that sort of thing. So that's how the CIA was involved in this as part of this overthrow plot. Yeah. Now, is there any truth to, I mean, I'm assuming it was based on some amount of truth, but was there any real truth to to all of this regarding the uprising in Chile? I think all of it happened. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so, um, well, the truth it was in the, uh, it's really interesting. It's a good question. I mean, there's, there's a lot we can read about it now, which we've done, uh, you know, as actors trying to get into the story. The CIA has opened up, you know, here and there. People used to work at CIA at the time. Um, people write, um, you know, there's there's a whole chapter. I think it was like the ex-CIA director who wrote a whole chapter about his conversations with Nixon regarding Chile and whatnot. And so there, there is a lot of truth to it. But I believe that um, our writer was inspired by something he had read um, 
was he in high school? I said something uh, like that. Something, something like, like, like but it was in the New Yorker magazine by Garcia Gabriel Garcia Marquez. It was an article he wrote about it. And his yeah. article he wrote about it saying suggesting that one of the attempts to get rid of Allende uh, by the CIA was to create a fake glee club uh, that was, you know, actually a bunch of secret operatives. Um, and one of the problems was that they they would never be able to pass as a glee club because none of them could sing. And they found out mid-flight <laughs> on the way to Santiago. And uh, so based on that story that he read, mm-hmm. he thought, well, wait a minute, where can we go from that? And, and that story is not about that. That's just an incident that inspired him to write this yeah. comedy. And I think he told that, I think that why high school, I think he told like his high school counselor or somebody like a teacher, he's like, I want to write a story about taking the CIA taking out a the end. They're like, what? <laughs> you know, that was the response he got. Um, but uh, so I think, yeah, based What's what what I think is really great about the writing is um, at Mark's script, many things, many things, but so much of the characters' interests, uh, like you know the Nixon character's interests or you know Jack's interest in wanting to get Allende out of power, is all really distilled in in a way in the play, uh, in ways that I think the audience can really appreciate. Um, so they may not necessarily be the actual facts, but it was like that was the intent. Like you know, uh, is the whole idea that uh, Allende might be trying to take over uh, an American company like Pepsi, for example, and try to you know uh, maybe something he was doing to the copper industry too, trying to make it you know give it back to the people, nationalizing it. Yeah, exactly. So um, a lot of it, a lot of it is uh, at least a lot of the metaphors ring true, which is really, which is really fun. Yeah, because I asked because I mean the other two, or I should say two of the other characters, Henry Kissinger and Richard Nixon. I mean that that whole bit came off very SNL almost to me. They were just such great, <laughs> but the way that their part is just written, I was like, no, this can't. There can be no truth to this. This is just outrageous. <laughs> but then I was thinking to myself, I was like. Well, it was Nixon <laughs> and it was seventies. Like, hold on. Yeah. And after everything we've just lived through, I shouldn't say nothing is impossible. Like, uh, right, right. Nothing's right. funnier yeah. than the truth, and this might not be a long shot. So, well, there's a thing you can see on Netflix, which I I found out I think came out after I read Mark's first draft. But it's like the Nixon tapes, and you can hear him. He's cursing. He's saying all kinds of, about all kinds of people. He's talking. So. Yeah, man. I I think I think uh, the truth is stranger than the fiction sometimes. <laughs> so how did the two of you come upon this show? How how did it come into your lives? Uh, well, actually, Nick, you should talk about that again because it started out as our company, uh, Theater West, out in Los Angeles. It's it's one of the longest. Um, continuous running theater companies in Los Angeles. It's right out there in Hollywood. Uh, it's We do readings of plays for authors. We have a lot of authors there. And uh, it started out as a reading for our, our company. And uh, Nick was involved with it early on. Mm-hmm. He did, you did all the readings pretty much, right? Yeah. 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 Playing, so, yeah. playing Baker. Mm-hmm. I came along later because I was traveling a lot and I wasn't around. So then when they cast the show, decided to do a show, I, I read for Jack and yeah. And yeah. So yeah, that's, that's how it got developed. We have a, a writer's program at our theater company. A workshop. A workshop, and it uh, developed there. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, then going along with that, what was it like developing the show? Um, I mean, it was really cool. I mean, it well, what's funny, too, is it, a lot of it was there from the beginning. 
um, that like, you know, I, so I don't know how long Mark had worked on that first draft, but the first thing I read was the first act and a lot of it was already there. I, you know, so I don't know how he, I be interested in, interesting to hear how he works, you know, what his process is. Um, but when it got, when I, when I read it the first time, it was like, damn, this, there's really something really cool here. Um, a lot of that, the characters were really well established, like the, between Jack and, and Daniel and that relationship between the old guard versus the new, trying to understand all the old ways and maybe asking question, questions and poking holes in the, in, in, you know, the, the way things have been done, all the problems that the CIA has had in the past. And here's this new guy trying to come in and be like, um, you know, well, maybe we shouldn't do it that way. Or why did, why are we doing it like that? Or why are we doing it like that? It's a good dynamic, a way to argue both sides, having a, uh, yeah. a, a, a mentor or not, or not a mentor, but a, a boss and a lower, uh, yeah. a member of the CIA. So it was a good dynamic. And then we've got, you know, the Nixon thing, which actually, that was all I'm wrong. That used to be a voiceover and they right. were so funny they said, hey, maybe we can actually bring them into the show. They didn't know how to do it then. But they were just a phone call yeah. voiceover. They were yeah. never supposed to be seen. Yeah. And then it just developed. The characters were really well established. But that in the script, it was just like you just heard them. Because that's I think that's just how Mark saw it. They were obviously wouldn't be in the room. Um, but all of that was really, um, it was really all, it just was, it was so easy to grab onto. I could just say that. It was like, this is really witty. This is really fun. It's saying something, um, you know, something that I really believe in and agree with. And that it just was fun. It just was really fun to do early on. And it just kept getting better. Yeah. I'd, read the, I'd be honest, when I read the script for the uh, the audition, I just went, wow, I can hear this guy. I know who he is. And I got really excited about the part. I mean, there was some really good actors going up for it in our company. But I just really felt the connection with him right away. I just went, whoa, this is really good. Mm -hmm. This could be and Nick and I have worked in other shows before. Mm. In fact, we played the same person in a play. He was the younger me, uh, like <laughs> you know, young guy in his 20s. And yeah. then they come pick up a story later on, and I'm playing the same that, guy. That's even a metaphor in this show, though. Like we're very much, you know, I kind of become right. well, I don't want to ruin right. it for the audience, but it's like the yeah, that was cool. We never actually acted together. We've been in like three plays together and never had a scene together until this show. And we're we're on stage the whole time together. <laughs> and we're roommates here in, in New York. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 been really cool. But as far as like the development, yeah, it was just he he wrote the first act, um, and then we read it, and then he and then he wrote the second act, and we read that, and then we read it all together, and then he just kind of fine-tuned it as we went and then next thing we knew we were producing in LA. mentioned uh george that um theater west produced this and whatnot had it, i I'm, I'm so sorry i missed when this originally started um but well, the, as far as the development that started oh man i mean like if, if i could look at the timeline it felt like it felt like many months you could say almost a year of like reading the script as it was getting workshop it felt like many months i don't you know quite know if it was a full year but then once 
that was it it had gone through the workshop a bunch and then got like a final read then it started then the production date for it was very, august yeah. auditions were in august of 2019 yeah. and, and then, so opening was march 2020 so we worked on it for six months which is kind of long i don't know for me it's a long time to be rehearsing but it it, it it was march of 2020 and our opening night was march 13th 2020 <laughs> friday the 13th and that was our first. Shut and down, the next baby. night was our last <laughs> yeah. performance. Yeah. We'll be back in July. It's a little yeah. minor thing. Yeah. And we're closed down. Yeah. That was, was going to be my next question, which is when, where else was it performed? Because if I remember right, it was, you did it out in, in California, out in LA, right? Well, no, the same, the same theater. The same, same theater. place. We brought it back after COVID. After COVID, about a year and a half, we were Zoom, doing Zoom rehearsal, like just just kind of going, let's touch base and let's go over the characters again. The same cast, same director. Mm. Mark was in on them. Mm. And we would just sit there and read the play via Zoom. Mm -hmm. So just kind of keep it fresh. And then when they decided, okay, we're going to open up. And that was last summer, uh, September of 2020, 21. We brought the play back to the same theater, Theater West. And we had a five-week run there. Yeah. Her, okay, okay. I'm so sorry. At first, I thought you meant the AMT theater. I was like, wait, I thought this was done out west. I was because yeah, yeah, yeah. several of you won awards, if I remember from the program, mm -hmm. right, for the yeah. show. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. And well deserved, by the way. So this has been performed out at Theater West and now here in New York. Yes, correct. What? And the entire production, which I hear is unusual, they told us they want to take it to New York. We go, oh, great. You know, good luck with you. And they go, no, no, we're taking the whole cast, the set. The director, our producers, the whole company came to New York, and I think we're the first uh, play at the AMT. Uh, mm. There were some cabarets and shows, but I think we were the first. We're very. It's a, they just opened. They, they just, just renovated, opened. and we're one of the first three acts there. What is the message or thought that you are hoping audiences will walk away with? I mean, I think for me, um, you know, you, have, you want people to walk away with what they walk because sometimes what they tell you will blow you away. You know what I mean? Like, so you want them to have their own reaction. If anything, whenever I do theater, I want people to see themselves in it. Uh, you know, I want people to really relate to it. And in this particular instance, it, the, the idea of, for me playing somebody like Daniel Baker, who has got a lot of love for the organization that he's in and the, the country that he's in, and he's got a lot of love for his superiors he spends the entire play questioning them and i thought that was a really interesting choice to have because it it made him a little bit more complicated for me he's not just like some rebel who's like um you know he's not even like me who's like somebody who like you know when i don't like something i go and i protest you know what i mean or i or i i, I try to find ways to um um express myself in that way well th this character has all the same questions i have about how our country acts or he has all the same questions I would have about our superiors, but he's doing it while he's signing up with them and he's doing it from inside and he's doing it as one of their recruits. Um, and that to me is, a, it's, it's an opportunity. So it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. And I, I don't want people to see themselves in that story. Cause a lot of times we show up to things, maybe it's a new job or maybe it's, or, or like if we're just looking at, how things are happening happening politically or how things, you know, how things are being done. A lot of people are like, well, that doesn't sit right with me. I don't, I don't love that. I don't hate you, but I don't love how we're doing this. 
Um, and um, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, yeah, I don't know how clear that is. But the, the, the idea is that I want people to see themselves in in the piece as much as they can. I, I really like the fact that there's a good battle. There's, there's Nick, there's me. And then there's a, a character we haven't talked about yet, which is the maid, Maria, mm. who is in the play. And she gives a, another a, a, between the two of us. So there's the two sides, Nick and I. Yeah. And then she's in the middle and you see her kind of like mm. bouncing this, this argument of thoughts you know, mm -hmm. between the two. And, and it's, 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 I just think it's a fascinating dynamic with those. And then of course there's the Nixon and Kissinger, which are like cameo <laughs> comedic intervals and they're, and they're great. And, but you, we say comedy thrill. And what I love about a good comedy to me is to play it as truthful and as honest as possible. And the comedic elements come out of, the reality, not just gags and bits. I, well, that's what I love about a good play is that it can be funny and yet it's coming out from a truthful place. And so working with Nick and we, we really worked hard on that, that it's, these are, these, are, these can be real guys. They're not just comedic, you know, characters. Yeah. Yeah. They're we, real. We definitely, we definitely really get, get a chance to um, feel very three-dimensional with yeah. this piece. Um, and hopefully people, yeah, I think people have been feeling that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as the great Dale Close uh, said, nothing is funnier than the truth. Who do you hope have access to your show? Um, that's a good question. I, yeah. You know, I, I'm surprised. Sometimes I, I feel with, uh, this is an amazing thing. This happened the other day I was talking. To, you know, we think un, younger audience aren't going to, because there are a lot of references to Nixon, Eisenhower. There's some history things. That, and we just thought, are younger people going to get it? And yet there were these young girls who came to the show, and I couldn't believe it. They were in the front row. And they're watching, and I couldn't believe they're just so into it. And you could just tell, you know, because we play out front. And uh, I was amazed by that. And, I, and then I said to him, I said, hey, outside when we walked out, they were still out there going, hey, we loved it. It was great. And I go, how did you hear about it? I go, we're just walking by, and it looked interesting. And they walked in. I go, but did you get the, the reference? And they go, well, yeah, we did. And we could follow along. And it was like, so it spoke to them. And I was really kind of, because we always think an older audience is going to get it. We make these references to Nixon or to... The, the, the Pepsi challenge and things like that from history. And we go, is it going to resonate? And yet uh, the response generally has been all ages. They're listening. They really are listening and they're getting it. So that's been a pleasant surprise, but yeah. Yeah. And we keep on thinking we get to Washington. <laughs> perfect for Washington. Uh, they're all going to go. I know that guy. And yeah. I know that guy. And I've seen this before. And so yeah. we keep on thinking if we get to Washington, DC, that would be amazing. But anyway, just doing a good show. I, I'm having a great time. I love it. I love working with this guy. He's great. Yeah. Uh, no, and I love working with you, man. I mean, I, I think like access. You know, that's it's such a big, it's such a big question and conversation. And and being pretty new to this New York scene, I don't know really what it's like out here and how how accessible shows really are to people. Um, um, but of course, you know, as many people, as many people as we can, especially for. I, I do think that the play, you know, the the character that I play, Daniel, he's got a lot of um, modern sensibilities. So even though it takes place in the 70s, he's got a lot of like just sort of down to earth kind of dry humor kind of things. Like when, when I talked to Mark, I, I, we're, I, I sort of mentioned this unofficial log line. It's like Homeland meets Veep. You know, like where where it's just like, and I think people can relate to that sort of um, that idea of there's a lot of stakes, but uh, what the hell are we doing? Uh, we don't know how to, you know, this seems all pretty crazy. Um, 
and yeah, maybe maybe if the play gets published or something like that, people younger people would be able to have more access to it that way, and they'd be able to put it up in their in their in their classes or you know even produce the whole play because I think they'll be able to latch onto it in that way. gears a little now and give our our listeners a chance to to kind of get to know you both a little bit more and i want to start by asking you um what shows playwrights or composers um have inspired you or do you love wow talking theater right yeah yeah theater of course yeah but uh nick is a shakespeare (laughs) uh whiz i mean he's at our work, at our theater company, uh, Nick ran a, a Shakespeare workshop, and I've studied Shakespeare all my life, but not to the degree that he had. And I'm telling, he took a workshop that had like no attendance, and within a matter of months, it became the most popular workshop because we have all kinds of workshop at our theater. We have a, an acting one, a writer's one, as I mentioned, a musical theater one, and then the Shakespeare one. But there weren't that many people would come. I mean, you know, they were just frightened by it; they never did it. Nick took over and it became the hottest workshop at our theater company. And we would put on showcases and things with um, scenes from Shakespeare and it became one of the most popular events at our theater. It was incredible. So well, there's a lot of reasons for that. Thank you, man. No, there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, one of the, one of the things was, uh, you know, everybody's got like, it's, it's tough in other workshops because a lot of the other stuff you have to bring your own work, but at I mean, Shakespeare, the work's there. You just got to be willing to say it, you know, you could just, it, you know, read it out louder um or not so there there was that advantage um but yeah i mean i guess to say william shakespeare as an insp- as an inspiration of uh, you know theater wise i grew up um doing theater in the bay area and a lot of those people who were my mentors back then are still my mentors today um and they're doing some like you said like you said earlier when you're talking about all the stuff you'd seen off broadway or broadway and like and you wanted to share in a podcast i feel like you should take a take have like have the show maybe have a vacation or like a a time a sabbatical in the bay area because you will be blown away you know like you will anywhere in the world i'm sure but um I grew up around some really talented folks um, and it's that I'm still actually working with to this day. A man named John Tracy. I, I may be doing a, a project with him, uh, a Shakespeare project with him in the Bay area next year, next summer. Um, and he was the first person who ever uh, showed me Shakespeare. He cast me in 12th night as an understudy. And then I ended up taking over Sebastian. I was like 13. Um, and, and it was the best, man. We did it outside in the park. Um, it was, uh, but we had to be in character the whole time. I remember the first time we opened the show was at somebody's house out in the country and had these orchard, this orange, these orange trees everywhere. And me and the character playing Antonio, we were just out there fencing until we had to walk on for our scene on the set. I mean, talk about like one of the, an experience that could really, really, um, make an impact on your life moving forward. Um, and yeah, I, I, so I, yeah, I went to UCLA um, I, yeah. and eventually, yeah, I, um, I, I had a stop. I, I went to Santa Clara University, had some great Shakespeare training there. Then I 
went to Solano College and then I went to UCLA. And um, one of my professors at UCLA, we kind of, his name's Joe Oliveira, he kind of set me down this current path of like really opened up text analysis and stuff for me. Um, I saw Mark Rylance perform measure for measure mm-hmm. at UCLA and he did a master class for us. So yeah, a lot, a lot of the theater, I think that's, that um, has like, that has impacted me has probably been in that Shakespeare world that I've just been fortunate enough. Like you said, access I've had, I've had I had access as a younger person to see it. And it was, it's been, it's been with me ever since. So now I know you both have been really busy with the show, but have you seen any theater lately that you would recommend to our listeners? Uh, I, I caught the opening night of death of a salesman with Wendell Pierce. And it was amazing. Yeah. Really. We really, uh, there was three of us who caught it. Press, who plays Maria, and the guy who played um, Nixon, a uh, guy who plays Nixon, Steve Neville. And uh, we went to opening night. We were up in the, in, the, in the balcony, but didn't matter. At Hudson Theater, they redid it, and it's cl- it's really close. We were, like, right there, and it was phenomenal. Really, really highly recommended, so. Oh, it does not feel like three hours either. No, no. Where did the time go? It was amazing. Really a great show. Had a lot of fun seeing that. Glad I went. And then the opening night. That was just kind of special because his dad was out there in the audience. His dad's like 97 years old. And he made a little speech about it and said, hey, I was a young guy in New Orleans. And my dad was from the war and all the stuff. And and he just it just it was just really you felt like you were in a real special night there, especially opening night. But great. He was just fantastic. The whole cast, too. And, yeah. Oh, great. That that show. That's one of my favorite Miller plays. Same with me. I, I, it's it's on my list of things. I, you know, I've had all the. I've been doing theater all my life, and there are roles that I go someday, someday, and that's one of them. I, I do want to maybe try to tackle Willie Loman sometime, and that's just a great show. I love that show. Um, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? Well, cause I, I've done a lot of uh, TV. I've done some TV, not so much as film, but TV. I've done some film, but the idea that we are constantly. I mean, we ask people who've come opening night or last in, in LA and then see it now and go, you know, it just changes. They go, oh, absolutely. It's just constantly growing, changing, getting deeper. You're finding new moments and you get that after doing a show this many times. Film, you know, you get five takes or six takes. That's film. TV is even less. It's like boom, boom, and you're done. That's it. It's permanently cast like that. But with the live theater, we're constantly discovering new things and moments and go, oh, wow. And I like to ask people who've seen it, you know, then three weeks later, uh, Mark's wife was there last night. The writer's wife came out and said, you notice the difference? She goes, oh yeah, it's just fuller and richer. I mean, little moments that maybe the audience will never see, but as an actor on stage, you're going, you're living this and going, wow, I found a thing to do at that moment. I don't even know if anybody's watching me. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's just making me a fuller life on stage when I'm working. And so when you get to do theater and, in LA, we don't do as as many shows. That we have a five week run. It's three shows per weekend. Here in New York, we did as much as we did in our LA run the first two weeks. You realize that was our entire run. These first two weeks were our entire run in in LA. And they went, "Oh, you're right." And we have like five more weeks after that. And so it's just great. I mean, it's I did a show like that in the. Um, 2002 to 2012 called Triple Espresso. I did 1,100 performances of that all over the country. I got to go to Dublin, Ireland to do it. But I did 1,100 performances. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's like, I remember the guy who, because I wasn't the originator of it, I came in later. The guy who originated the role goes, you know what, George? I found out after 50 performances, 
I just started to really get it. And I went, what? I've never done a show with 50 performances. I was like, first time I done that long a run. And sure enough, after 50, it got more. And then after 500, you're still discovering stuff. And it's just, and so you've got every moment, every situation, you're in different venues. And it just, it's an amazing gift in a sense. It really is a lot of fun. And that's what I love about theater, you know? Especially if you have good actors around you. And, and like I said, Nick and Pratt, this cast, this, it, it really, we talk about it, right? It's like a family. We really are not just, we are a family. We've done things together. We do things and we talk and, and just share life and all this stuff. And it's, it really is a family. And that's all the way down to the producers, our stage manager, mm-hmm. writers, everybody. We all feel like family. We've gone out a couple of times to things in New York yeah. as a group. Just kind of go, hey, let's go catch this improv show. And, you know, we had a great night doing that and. It's been a really great experience. We really consider it a gift mm-hmm. to have this experience in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you you said that perfectly. Like, I'll give you a couple, two examples of that. One is like Prisciliana will maybe come up to me, just any random show of the week, and just be like, you know, I got something new for you in this moment, and I'm not telling you what it is, but <laughs> it's coming for you. And I'm like, all right, let's bring go. it on, let's go, let's bring go. it up, yeah. And then. AJ, who is our usher in the in the house, uh, yesterday walked up to me because I enter through the house. So I I, I, I pass everybody before I make my first entrance. AJ came up to me and said, tonight's going to be the best one. And I said, <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> then, I just know it. I have a feeling. <laughs> you're going to be on stage and you're going to think, yep, AJ said, this is going to be the best one tonight. <laughs> like, and uh, sure enough, I was on there and I was like, Angie, this shit's pretty good. This shit's pretty fun. It's just, there is a, there is an alive aspect to it. An immediacy. You, you feel like an athlete. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're, you're visiting, you're in a visiting town. You're playing the opposing team. You got it. it whatever happened yesterday doesn't matter. Whatever happens tomorrow doesn't matter. And you got to, you get to do the whole thing. You start from beginning to end. You know, there's none of this breaking up the scenes, whatnot, and um, you get to live a life. It's the ultimate I- experience in the here and now. And um, and I got a lot of, I would say this, walking to the theater, all the people that I notice um, out there in Times Square who are also going to plays and are also about to perform. Um, yeah, I take for granted a lot, uh, uh, you know, you know, the, I don't know. I just, you, you take a lot for granted in life. And I think you never know what any performer, any one performer is going through. You never know what's happening to them in that moment, what kind of physical health they're in, what their condition is or anything. And, and for people to be walking and going, you know, to, to, to get themselves to the point where they could perform every night. I'm like, wow, this is, it's really, it's really cool. It's really fucking cool. I, I see what it takes and I got a lot of respect for it. And, and it's, and it's a dream to be around it. And we're very grateful to be here. Yeah. This brings me to ask my favorite question, which is what is your favorite theater memory? Oof. Oh man. It's just so many. God, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, let's see. <clears throat> okay. So at theater West, we did a production of Room for heavyweight. And what I found so interesting about that is, I played the Mace character, the, the the boxing manager of a mountain. And um, but I remember way back when I was 21, I mean, I'm very young, I'm still, you know, getting into acting, and I saw a production of it. Not a production, I saw it on TV. 
um, the Jackie Gleason role. And I went, someday, yeah, I'm just putting it out there to the universe. Someday I'd like to play that role. As a 21 year old, I was saying, someday I would like to play that role. And then the opportunity came at Theater West and we had a great run, great review. And I got to play the role and I went, well, I'm living one of my, my dreams. You know, like it, it was something I put out there in the universe and I, I didn't pick it. I didn't put it in motion. It just all of a sudden came and I auditioned and I got the part and I was like, wow. And I just remember being so, I, I just loved it so much. I go, I kind of wanted to play this role and I'm playing it and it was a great cast and I had a great time doing that. I mean, like I, I told you, I said, someday Willie Loman, it, it's, it's out there. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but it's, you know, and then one of my other dreams was someday I'd like to, to be on Broadway or off Broadway. Just, that was a thing. And now I can check that off my bucket list. I mean, I thought I'm in LA. I'm not really a New York actor. I'm a TV actor. And it's not, I go, and then this opportunity, he says, we're going to New York. I go, well, you're going to have a great time with the cast. He goes, no, we're taking you. We're bringing you here. And so I'm getting to live one of my dreams of performing off Broadway. And it's been everything and more than I expected. So I guess that was two, but anyway, it's just, uh, yeah, you, you you put it out there and, and it happens and it's a great feeling. It really is. Mm-hmm. So, I have a feeling you'll be back. I have a good I, feeling I, you'll be back. I will do it in a heartbeat. I am having such a great time in New York. I mean, like, really. I, I was born in the Bronx, but we moved out when I was eight. So I'm a California kid. But the memories of it and all this stuff and the pizza, everything, everything. Just I got to tell you, the subways, people go, oh, how do you? And I go, nope. Took to it like water. Just yep. no problem. Got around, I can get around anywhere I want to go. I'm loving New York. And in LA, you know, I mean, I don't know about YouTube, but I mean, you're in your car. You don't hear it's every day. You are amongst people and you're just going, it's like an actor's workshop. Like you're going, I can study that. And just that person, the way they walk, talk, they, you just go, you know, you see something, you go, nobody would believe this is real. And I'm seeing it every day, the different kind of characters and people. And you're going, nope, that's all a class and like, movement and voice and study and motivations and every day every day like in new york you know let me go to a mall maybe i'll see somebody that's interesting or whatever in la you mean yeah, in la yeah. but in new york it's just every day you go the train's on a delay and you're like well i'm just gonna sit <laughs> for this five minutes and <laughs> yeah totally it's just a lesson a class every day it's great so I'm, I'm having a great time here nick how about you what's your favorite theater memory um, I mean, I, I, I've got a few, I, so the, the, the director of this piece, Charlie Mount, I've worked with him actually a lot at theater West. Um, and he gave me a great opportunity even before this, which is why I think, well, when we, when we did this one, we had already a, a working relationship. Um, before this, he cast me in a play that he wrote called against the wall. And that was based, uh, loosely on the experiences he had as a stand-up comic in New York when he lived in Hell's Kitchen back in the day. Um, and that was a, a three-person cast. And um, that play that play was really, it, it was, it was it, it changed things for me, at least at the theater. At, at the theater, I'd played like younger roles, smaller roles. And um, and that kind of, I think every day uh, on on that set, um, there, there were, there was always really, a really special memory because, um, I don't know. I get to feel, you know, like just different as an artist. You were brilliant and you were brilliant. You were great. I, I saw that show a couple of times, th- several times. And it was great. You were really good. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. No, I mean, it, it, it was like we had, we had a couple of cool memories from it. Like uh, I remember there was this really beautiful jazz music. Our stage manager would play before the show would start when we'd walk around and be really quiet. I think the song was called Symbiosis or something like that. And that that really if I hear that song right now, it'll transport me back 
to what it was like before that show, before we went on with that show. I opened with a stand-up set. Yeah, he had to become a comedian and like a very convincing, you know, stand-up comedy. Not you just go say lines. There's a, an energy to it. And, and he became a stand-up comic. He actually transformed. And you're going, wow, I know Nick is an actor, but he's like a stand-up comedian right now. And Charlie got- helped me with a lot. It was a lot of his the stuff that he had written. And uh, But one night, my aunt was there. And uh, I'm do, performing this like in this nightclub. And I'm using the audience. I'm talking right to them. At one point, we turned the lights on and they could see me. I could see them. And um, my aunt's there. And then we have the lead actor, the other lead actor, this woman named Kate Adler, who is just sitting there and she wants to, she's she's about to heckle me. And some people catch on a little sooner than others that it's part of the show. My aunt never caught on. (laughs) So my aunt and my aunt's got a very big personality. So she's like, Kate gets up to walk out. And I'm like, where are you going? She's like, I'm just leaving. Just do your show. And I'm like, why why are you leaving? And, 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 um, because I'm kind of a misogynist in this, in this moment. And it's kind of it's kind of gross. And uh, my aunt just won't have it. She's like, hey, 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 that's my nephew. Like that. And I'm like, oh, so I say into the mic, I'm like, ma'am, I'm a professional. I got it under control. And this is like, it's all happening in crazy real time. The, the other cool thing about that show was um, we were, uh, we got asked if we wanted to perform on 4th of July. And uh I guess we all are like, we have to, we're going to, we're going to do it 4th of July. Four people came and uh, cause it was 4th of July and it was one of the best shows we did. And, uh, <laughs> and, and those four people all waited in the lobby and just were like, thank you so much for doing this. We were there 4th of July. You know, they didn't have any other plans. Um, and that, that was pretty cool feeling. That was pretty cool. So awesome. I wonder how your aunt felt afterwards when you're like, aunt, that was, that was part of uh, it. She had like four people restraining her. Luckily, she wasn't sitting in the aisle. <laughs> so, no, his um, family's pretty protective because <laughs> I beat the crap out of Daniel in this play, and her family, his his family's all been out here to see it. He's got a big family, yeah, and they're 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 very they got a lot of. But personal. I tell you, but they all gave me they all gave me going. You know, we we love you, George, but man, you know, you're beating up Nick there. It's just yeah. a, you know, <laughs> it, it it was good because she didn't. So what I didn't tell you earlier was my aunt kind of had it coming because she likes she's one of those people who likes to mess with me, you know. No, and no matter what's happening in my life, she likes to mess with me. So the second I came out and was doing my stand up set, she was like, "Hi, Nick. Hi, Nick." Like that, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me right now?" <laughs> she's like trying to make me crack. She's trying to mess with. Me. So that situation happened. She didn't say a single thing the rest of the play. She just was, she, she was KO'd, man. She was KO'd. It was pretty cool. That is awesome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, do either of you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug or even for Theater West? Hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, well, Theater West might be doing Moose on the Loose, a revival of Moose on the Loose, and that's an amazing play yeah. um, that I got to be in a while ago. It's written by Dina Morone, and um, that might be, I believe that's coming up. March. So, March. So, um, yeah, that that one, that one's a that one's a powerhouse. Uh, it's, it's in terms of a family comedy that people really relate to. It's an immigrant kind of story. It's about an Italian family. Canada. In Canada. Canada. And they live in like you know it's called way up bay it's they live in minus like 30 degrees or whatever and they're they, you know they're, they're they're all talking about making cooking the sausage and the second they open the door the snow's coming in 
one son, all he does is watch the weather channel. It's hilarious. It's a really crazy. Um, it's, it's really, it's a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, that should be happening. Theater West has got a lot, a lot of stuff going on though. Um, we, we're always, we're always doing new plays, um, always developing new plays. Um, they just had their West Fest, mm -hmm. um, which is a, a festival of short plays all written and created at the, in the writer's workshop, Theater West. Yeah. So, yeah. If our listeners want more information about our man in Santiago or about either of you, how can they find that or how can they reach out to you guys? Yeah. Well, man. we have a website, ourmanandsantiago.com. It's that easy. And they, they list the dates that we're performing that are remaining. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's that right there. We'll get them to this show here. And we're, we're closing a week from tonight, uh, October yeah. 28th. I have nine performances, right? We got nine, nine left, nine left, shows left. So. Tonight, yeah. Um, but and we also have an Instagram too, and then I think a lot mo most of the cast who have an Instagram, you, you could find our, our handles pretty easily from there. Mm -hmm. I'm Nikki N I C K Y M U S um, uh, on Instagram, and and um, yeah, but, I mean, it should be it should be self explanatory. If you Google our man in Santiago, things come up now because we we have so many reviews now that something just pops up. Yeah. Um, right there for you and i'm george at georgetovar.com i mean that's that's georgetovar.com is like my website and whatever but because because my other career is as a magician so i, I i've got both of those going so i balance he's those an two. amazing an amazing brilliant magician if you get a chance you should let him know if you're in la maybe get you into the castle the magic castle in hollywood yeah yeah it's, that it's, would be cool yeah. awesome man <laughs> it's on it's really it's really amazing well, my guests today have been Nick McDowell Musla and George Tover, who played Daniel Baker and Jack Wilson in the production of Our Man in Santiago, currently playing at the AMT Theater now through October 28th. Do not miss this show. Do not miss this show. Not even kidding. You will thoroughly enjoy it. I guarantee you. And the tickets and more information you can get are at OurManInSantiago.com. You can also find more information on their Instagram, which is at OurManInSantiago. And you can get more information uh, about future projects and information about these two gentlemen. Uh, you can find Nick on Instagram at NickyMUS. And George has a website, GeorgeTover.com. Nick, George, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been an absolute joy, and I appreciate you making the time to talk to me. Thank you. It's been great. A lot of fun. Really great talking to you about theater and, and what we're doing. It was a real honor, and, really? and we're very grateful to you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. Two friends from old New York town met in a foreign land. One sang the praises of gay If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Quantum Jazz, Nangdo, and Billy Murray. 
You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.